Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Slick Pivot Sessions. I'm Liz Ward and this is the podcast where we dig, delve and deconstruct the journeys of people who have pivoted their careers. I know it can feel rough when you're at a pivot point, so we'll be stripping back the sugar coating and uncovering the pitfalls and progress of our guests, unearthing some practical advice for those of you wanting to make a change. Join me as we crack the formula for making a successful pivot in your life or work. Today's episode is brought to you by The Marshmallowist, gourmet marshmallows in unexpected flavours. If you're stuck for a Mother's Day gift, or you want something more fun than wine and a box of chocolates to take to your next dinner party, then these marshmallows are for you. You can choose your flavours from raspberry and champagne, blueberry and gin, or my own favourite, toasted coconut. To save 15% on your next order, simply go to themarshmallowist.com and enter the code SLICKPIVOT at the checkout. Why not treat someone today to some mallow love? Today I'm joined by Fleur Emery. Fleur is an outspoken startup veteran with an uncanny way of sniffing out emerging trends and making things happen. She has 15 years in the food industry under her belt. She launched two product ranges into major retailers and she now uses her startup experience to help other founders. She has a client roster that includes Pippa Nut, Miso Tasty and Black Bee Honey. Recently, Fleur spent three years setting up a premium ready meal business. She had a product range ready to go, funding in place and interest from supermarkets, yet decided to pull the plug and pivot her career. I chatted to Fleur about what motivated her to walk away from that food business, how she has rebuilt herself as a startup expert working school hours, and she shares her advice for those of you wanting to start a food business. This interview covers loads about entrepreneur life, trusting your gut and pivoting on your skill set. Fleur is straight talking. She is a no-nonsense person. She makes stuff happen. Get ready for some practical advice. And if you like this episode with Fleur, if you find it interesting or helpful, drop us a review and a rating on wherever you get your podcasts. Reviews really help us to grow this podcast, reach more people and bring you fantastic guests. Okay, here goes. Hi, Fleur, and welcome to the Slick Pivot Sessions. Thanks for having me, Liz. I was keen to chat to you because so many people are starting or dreaming of starting food businesses these days, and you've had three. I'd love us to dive into your entrepreneur journey and all those pivot points along the way. Can you rewind for us? Like, how did it all begin? Okay, so um, 15 years ago, my sister and I started a porridge business from home. And prior to that, we had no idea about running a business. And critically, in those days, there was no, there were no incubators, there were no business forums, there was kind of nothing, we were staggering in the dark. And there wasn't really an independent food scene like there is now. So we started making instant porridge in a pot, we were the first people to do that and um, sold it in my sister's friend's deli and then um, got a bit of a rush of blood to the head and sent it to Selfridges and they stocked it and then it kind of went big and it sort of we sold it in Waitrose and in hotel mini bars at Soho House and on planes and on trains and we just had a really great ride for sort of 
about five years at the beginning of the independent food scene, learning everything on the job. It was quite an innocent time in a way because you could brand, we branded it ourselves. We did everything. We didn't know what we were doing (laughs) and we kind of got away with it and had a great time. Yeah. Um, we had some big challenges when the recession came and we, um, had an investment partner who got involved and things sort of got a bit, shit got real, as they said, sorry, (laughs) family friendly. That's okay. (laughs) Um, and so, you know, we didn't, we didn't get a, um, we didn't go out with a bang. We went out with a whimper and, um, sort of went home to sort of lick my wounds and then, saying I'll never do another startup and then of course did another startup um got back in the saddle and created a um, low alcohol all natural craft lager called green and pleasant and how long was it between those two I probably took a year off right And, and to be honest what's interesting was at that point I perceived that project to have failed uh huh and and you said you kind of went home looking your wounds a little bit did you you really have to digest that before being yeah yeah kind of relaunch again so much had happened it had been kind of a real baptism of fire and we really kind of came back down to earth sort of like saying sort of what what just happened my dad my dad um I remember being yeah in my sort of childhood bedroom my dad saying they're opening a new branch of Marks and Spencers and they have a a management training scheme you want to get up there and be like being like no <laughs> and no offense to the managers of Marks and Spencers but yeah, yeah cheers, not Dad. Me. so um I just thought yeah I can't do that so got back to London and um cracked on and um started a beer company and made a beautiful brand that time it was more professional so crowdfunded it took money in at the beginning worked with a very talented design partner called Joby Barnard who is you know he's just the best and created a really beautiful brand and a lovely product and sold it into the Ritz Hotel and a load of other fancy hotels and had a great time with that for a few years yeah and do you feel like you went into that one with everything that you learned from the grasshopper yeah project? definitely yeah definitely although I still made plenty of mistakes yeah it's mistakes. definitely you know a startup business building a business like that is is a sort of art form and there's loads of yeah there's there's no set way of doing it there's decisions to be made all the way along and you don't know what's going to Im- impact the slightest thing can trip you up Mm-hmm. So you have to, I always say, like, you have to enjoy the journey. Like, I've absolutely loved my career. Honestly, it's just been very rich personally for me in terms of um, the amount of stuff you have to learn. You know, I love to work. I love to be busy. I love to do lots of things at different times. I like to have to make decisions on the hoof. You know, I love having to talk people around, selling things, all that kind of stuff is just absolutely great fun for me. Yeah, so, so being an entrepreneur, that kind yeah. of the startup world fits with all of those qualities. Yeah. yeah, and you have unless unless you enjoy it, you know, don't get involved because the risks are massive and the chance of like walking away with a big chunk of cash at the end are pretty, pretty small. So, um, yeah, got stuck in and um, <laughs> I just loved it it doesn't really feel like work to me. It mm-hmm. just, it just feels like talking to lots of different people about something that I'm really interested in. What do you think it was that helped you bounce back and start the beer company? I have a massive amount of self-belief, which 
is both an asset and a liability depending on the circumstance. You know, if um, mm-hmm. <laughs> my friend said, do you, do you want to come skiing? Have you ever been skiing before? And I said, well, I've never been, but I think I'm brilliant. <laughs> And in that situation, <laughs> and, and it's quite dangerous. <laughs> so, yeah, we do the heli skiing. Yeah. yeah, like I'll take a snowboard. I haven't done that. You know, let's take that. That looks more fun. You know, you can just break your neck. <laughs> but it definitely has helped me sort of drive projects forward. I'm not like at the end of the day, I lie down and go to sleep. I don't, you know, I'm not staring at the ceiling worrying about if this happens, how am I going to look after myself? Like I always know I'll be fine. I'm very resourceful. Mm-hmm. And you know, maybe, maybe this work has, has given me that, or maybe I was like that before, but I don't worry about, you know, what happens if I get old and I don't have enough money. You know, I don't look forward to retiring. And I'm definitely a person who sort of takes action. And I mean, I speak to people all day about what they're doing and often, you know, daily I listen to people's projects and think, Oh, I'd like a bit of that. I'd like to get involved in that. Mm -hmm. If I wasn't doing that, or maybe I'll do that, you know, collaboration, working on other people's projects with them. There's always, I have my fingers in a lot of pies. I have about five revenue streams, small, you know, I'm not, I'm not rich, rich, but um, I'm great. I've got some savings. I'm self-supporting of me and my daughter who's in private school. I only work about 24 hours a week because I work while she's at school and um, I get money in from like four or five different places. And all of those places are things which are fun. So I I feel like it's a win. That's a win. So let's get to that. So you did Grasshopper, the porridge company, then the craft lager. And what happened to that? The same, you know, we had some success, we had some commercial success, we had some complications with growth and um, yeah, so moved on to a third project and, and went for it again and mm-hmm. went to <laughs> went bigger this time, raised some money to, this is three years ago, raised some money to start a, um, a premium ready meal company. So a Charlie Bingham style sort of shepherd's pie and stew business to mm-hmm. sell into Waitrose and Sainsbury's. And you walked away from that. I did. I, I worked on it for three years. It was really hard work. The meat industry is vile. Um, and I found that out sort of in real life with my own eyes. And and did, you know, found a great manufacturing partner and got a range of products ready to sell into a supermarket. The supermarket wanted them. And I realized I wasn't pleased about it, <laughs> which was a so bit of a surprise. So you worked on it from concept to getting mm-hmm. it to, you know, yes. to creating yeah. that product, yeah. Yeah. getting it in front of the buyers, having them say yes. And yeah. then, and that was that the pivot point when you said, you know what, this is not for me. Y- yeah. I got an email through saying, yeah, they don't sort of say yes until you, I should caveat, you know, for anyone listening until you have a purchase order saying, this is how many we're buying. You know, yeah. it's not, the job's not done, but they were saying, yes, this is what they were looking for. And we were negotiating the fine the finer elements at that point and so you're on the final straight and you could kind of we see were yeah coming yeah. to almost getting to shelves and starting to yep. become quite real and I just I got the email through saying great come and see us and again and um I did I, I noticed within my own body that all the usual things that happen to me physiologically mm. <laughs> when I get a win like that were not happening I was not I did not have butterflies I didn't want to tell everyone um I just looked at the email and felt hmm, a bit neutral 
And then I started asking myself questions about that and went to bed and had my first sleepless night in, you know, a long time. Wow. That must have been a really crazy day for you after all that work to not get the reaction inside you that you were expecting. What was going on in your head? It's it's almost like, you know, like an inner voice. Uh Over the years, I'm in recovery from um, drug and alcohol addiction. So like 20 years ago, I cleaned up and I did a lot of work, a lot of therapy and a lot of chanting and Buddhism and all this kind of stuff, right? Loads of yoga. Did all of that work. And one of the things that kind of came out of that, which is amazing, apart from sort of 20 years sobriety and clean living, is that I definitely have that voice of intuition and it speaks to me loudly and almost like a different person talking to me sometimes, which is both a good thing and a bad thing. The good thing is you really get to know what's right for you. The bad thing is sometimes it tells you things that you very much do not want to hear like this. And at that point I was lying in bed and it was like this inner voice. I was saying, right, you know, I've got to go to this meeting in um, Macclesfield or somewhere. And um, my inner voice said, yeah, I'm not going and you can't make me. Right. And I was just like, well, yes, we are. We are. This is like, yeah, I'm not, I'm not going to do this. Yeah, I don't want to do this. Mm. And it was, it's almost like a child. It's like, come on, get your coat on. We've paid. We're going. Yes. Everyone's expecting us. And the kid just looking and just saying, yeah, I'm not, I'm not going to go. And how do you, you know, because I work with a lot of people that feel fear when they're about to do something scary. Um, and, and how do you know, through all your, your experiences and, you know, doing um, stretchy comfort zone things, how do you know the difference between that? Really, it's a really solid, like, advice to yourself versus fear. Um, practice uh-huh. so for, for doing it for 20 years so it is part something that you know you're encouraged to get in touch with when you go into like rehab and you know AA mm-hmm. so it's it, it's like a spiritual practice of like every morning when I wake up I just scan myself like what's happening today how am I feeling about that and so check in with myself and at the end of the day I scan and I just say oh yeah and I like sort of try and experience gratitude for you know where I am and what I've got and reflect on the day have I done anything wrong could I've done anything differently and try and feel how I'm feeling Mm. and I've done that every day for 20 years and you just kind of get better at it and sometimes it tells you this really I'll give you a really good example sometimes um, you meet someone in a relator romantically and you get really excited and things go on and you know that they're not really right for you, but you don't, you know, you want, you want to be, I want to be with someone, you know, I want to have a boyfriend, you know, he's nice to me. He, you know, takes, you know, he remembers things. He makes me food or whatever it is, you know, so there's these things that we want, but we know underneath it that the connection isn't there, that it has, and you have a choice to either listen to that and break up or to ignore it. And it just gets louder until eventually you've moved in with them. They're doing the crossword next to you and they smile and ask you what 4B across is. And you smile at them and inside you're thinking, who are you and why are you in my bed? Yeah. And you've been just ignoring all of the signals that are being shown to you 
And uh, when I work with uh, my coaching clients, we, we, we look at this as, as feedback, especially like when you're, when you're trying new things and you're going, oh, shall, shall I try this new career out? Um, is, is really tuning into that intuition, really tuning into that, those feelings, that internal feedback you feel and the things that you see around you when, when something happens, like getting an email, how does it make you feel? Exactly. It, you know, and, when, and when you spend time with certain people, I do that really carefully. Hmm. Uh, when I've left them, I think, how do I feel? Yeah. You know, do I f- feel undermined? You know, do I feel validated? Was that fun for me? Yeah. You know, asking yourself those questions. I think one of the things that you mentioned, which is really, really interesting, is um, <clears throat> this idea of looking at our careers as a series of questions that we're posing. You know, there's a, in my parents' generation was sort of begin a, commence a career in a job and continue along that path. And that it's not really like that these days and especially if you're self-employed or you start businesses you know everything changes all the time and everything that I try when I when I try an opportunity I just think well I'm going to try it I'm asking a question and then if I don't enjoy it or it doesn't have the outcome I just say I don't think oh I failed I just think okay I've just got I've got more information now what's my next step am I going to continue putting my energy into that or will I sort of tie that off and then start something else. So when I did my most recent pivot four months ago, one of the sort of the, the, one of the assets I had was sort of 15 years information in my brain about how startups work, what it takes, et cetera. And um, I looked at people making online courses and I thought, well, that looks like a low hanging fruit. You know, I can just put some of this in online courses and um, make, you know, switch on a revenue stream quite easily. So I did an online course on how to do online courses, yeah. learned pretty quick, started videoing, boom, 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 and had three up and running, which were pretty decent. And what I realized is that the promotion aspect of them, selling them, I just wasn't really my cup of tea. And so they were up and no one was really buying them because I just didn't want to do the hard sell. You know, I tried it. And I did, I had one bash of it, you know, on, on Instagram and I sold a few and, you know, made a few hundred quid. But then I just thought, hmm, it's not really for me. It's just like asking a question, is that for me? And then I thought, actually, not really. And today I dismantled them. I just went on to Thinkific and switched off my account and, and just closed them. And I just okay. think, you know, that's, that's just good to know. I'm not going to do online courses, not yeah. really my bag. And you dipped your toe in, you, you stepped into yeah. it. You know, what does it feel like to step into the shoes of this online course world? Yeah. And what's the actual reality of it? You know, there's a lot of people out there saying they're making hundred grand a month, but you know, it, their day to day is probably lots of tech and lots of funnels and systems and marketing, yeah. which is not really for me. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And so to tell me about where are you now then? So you went from walking away from Whetstone after yeah. that email and saying, you know what, this is, this is not, this is not. And I literally woke up the next day and I felt relief. I felt like I'd put down a weight because when you have a live project like that with lots of investors and stakeholders and expectations, it is a big responsibility. And I've been living with a live startup of my own like that for kind of 15 years so to put it down and to actually say right I'm not going to do that anymore it actually doesn't fit in with my life as a parent you know I practice attachment parenting I co-sleep with my daughter you know I don't have babysitters and things so I didn't know I was going to be that parent I didn't know I'd be like that I wondered you know maybe I'll be some 
mega careery parent. I wasn't. Um, we sort of li- don't live like that. We're together a lot. So I don't have much time to work. I don't want to do another startup. So I made, I, I wouldn't even say I made that decision. I came to understand that that was a situation. I accepted that that was a situation. Mm-hmm. And so I thought, okay, I'm not going to do that. And literally woke up, felt like I'd put a weight down. So felt this sort of levity and slight euphoria. Yeah. And and I thought, well, what's my career going to be? I have no actual, no idea. And I've got to start, you know, I'm supporting us. What am I going to do? And I felt great. <laughs> so it was like a blank sheet of paper. Yeah, I felt like, re- and I'm really happy about it. I can yeah. do anything I want. But you understood like where you were on the map. Do you know what I mean? It's like, I always yeah. think, you know, when you're trying to plan your next thing, you, often everyone's thinking, okay, where am I going to go? You actually have to understand like your current location, like where you're actually starting from, what that yeah. reality really, yeah. really looks like. So when you have clarity on that, you know, you can start drive, you know, writing the next chapter, as they say. So you're, so you're there, you're like, you're feeling relief. Um, one so thing I would say think? about that, that one thing about saying, you know, in that position, I know that there'll be lots of people listening who are maybe pivoting out of jobs where they've been suppressed or unhappy or under, you know, underexpressed, um, or they might be pivoting out of sort of situations when they haven't worked much or they're a bit stuck. And I do get that that situation is very different from what I'm describing. So I'd had, you know, 15 years in an industry with people telling me I was great, you know, having some big successes, being in the paper, people hiring me to speak on stage, inviting me to come and, you know, cut a ribbon, you know, for a sports hall and stuff like that. So me sort of just saying, oh yeah, I felt great about having no plans. I complete, that's me now. Mm. 15 years ago when I started Grasshopper, I'd had rubbish um, employment experiences and felt a lack of confidence. I didn't know where I fitted in in the world and trying to pivot out of that into Grasshopper, that was really, really hard. So if you're listening and and my sort of um, cheerful optimism is annoying, I do get that. I do understand that. But faith grows. And because I kept trying new things and kept listening and kept moving forward, you know, by the time, you know, I'm 46, by the time I'm here with what I've done, I'm feeling pretty positive about it. Mm. But it was through that experimentation, exploration. And And I had the luxury of doing that, you know. I think it's really good to acknowledge my own privilege that, um, you know, I've got a supportive family. My family have got money. So even though they don't pay money into my bank account every month, which they haven't done, um, if I mess up, I'm not going to be homeless. Mm -hmm. You know, that's my kid got a book for Christmas about food banks and it's a mum. It's a really nice book. It's a mum and a kid who live together. And on the pages, they look like us, you know, they sleep together. They're sat, you know, chatting and was talking to her about the fact that the difference between her and me is that if we have a problem with, we've got somewhere we can go and we've got someone who will come and pick us up and take us there and can pay for things until we get sorted out. So my whole kind of mega pivot fest over the last 15 years has been with a safety net. And that's good to know because a lot of times people don't say that, you know, and so having 
knowing that you've got that freedom to fail freedom to fail you know and access to to finance to support education confidence that has come out of a private education where I feel confident to walk into an industry where I know nothing and listen and sit down and take my place that's a privilege Mm, I would agree so you've worked really hard for the business you've reached a point in time where you realized it was not right for you you've made that step to unravel and to walk away which must have been tricky how did you then rebuild and come to where you are now so four months ago whetstone closed I woke up I thought what's my job Recently, um, I had met um, a publicist, a young woman called Lucy Werner, who was writing a book. She approached me, said, hi. I liked her instantly, just one of those things. I started chatting to her and said, look, you know, ha ha, I've got no career. And um, got into a conversation with her and did some work with her. When she sort of, she challenged me and she said, listen, you've got 15 years worth of expertise in an industry starting businesses and you don't call yourself an expert you don't have a website you're not on instagram and what you what do you do you think you're going to sit there and people are going to come and knock on your door and hire you well grow up mm-hmm. and what were you wanting them to hire you for i'm um, to speak to teach well not um you know to i like doing workshops i love doing podcasts i'd like to broadcast that's my overall goal to become a broadcaster um and my bread and butter in the background has always been coaching other startups, mm-hmm. usually in food or fashion. Yeah, and you've worked with Pippa Nuts. Yeah. Um, and helped them get to where they are today. So so you so you wanted to become a broadcaster, be more be more in the public eye. Um, yeah. And to raise my profile, to, to raise, raise my own profile. profile. And okay. to become an expert voice, really. Yeah. And so what did you do? So I followed a plan that she gave me where I looked at um, what was special about me, how I wanted other people to see me. I made business goals with regard to how much I wanted to earn, who I wanted to work for. I got a pin board and bolted it to the wall and um, put lists on there about I'm looking at it now, Mm -hmm. which workspaces that I'd like to work in, which groups I'd like to work with, which podcasts I'd like to be on and um, made some objectives to do with my turnover, my Instagram following, and I looked at what subjects I want to talk about, startups, female founders, and solo parenting, what Mm -hmm. I want my reputation to be as a women in business expert, a host, a broadcaster, to be a columnist, and um, went about raising my profile on Instagram and providing free content and pursuing these people on my list. And so she's just written a book on it. She's just written a book on it and it's pretty great. So either try and hire Lucy Werner if she's available or buy her book, I think, which is out tomorrow. And it's basically how to raise your own profile without hiring anyone. Yeah, it's it, it, I, I have a copy of the book, too, and it's brilliant. Have you? Hi, it's brilliant yeah. by Lucy Werner. Um, and I'll put the link in the show notes. I literally have done, honestly, I literally have done what it says in that book and in four months it has worked. So one of the things on my list was that I want to work at The Wing, you know, the new women's workspace with the feminist agenda that's just opened in London. Mm -hmm. And um, she said, okay, you need to speak at this event in the summer. There was this festival thing. She said, you need to speak and put a panel together at this event. And I said, well... 
this is my one week family holiday in Devon and this it's in Lincoln. And she said, well, you need to do it. So I drove to Lincoln because the trains were broken that weekend, went to some dance festival in the middle of a field, which is my worst nightmare and um, put together a panel, did what she said, then drove like five hours to my family in Devon on holiday. Wow. And, um, and, and it was right there. after all of that. It was a lot of work. I mean, I trusted her and I, and I did it. And I did a few of those things and got noticed really quickly by the people from the wing, got invited in to a meeting there, um, got on well. So my talent is getting on well with people. I liked them. I liked what they were doing. They liked me. And then Lucy supported me with negotiating um, to work with them and offered sent them a proposal and they said yes and it's just been an absolute dream gig it's exactly what I wanted and it's four months of you know four months in that was one of the big things on my list ticked off so I'm a happy customer wow and it just shows when you are quite specific about Focus, yeah. something that you want and you can be yeah really focused on making that happen if you and look on my Instagram you'll see I'm not messing about with it I mean no you're it, you not know, you're I'm certainly not your Instagram <laughs> very is very organized you do, you're doing um Monday night live um interviews with founders of startups yeah. female there. founders Monday nights Tuesday startup surgery so it's um answering one um big question about business on my Insta stories I'm doing um, collaborations each week with other um, female business communities like um, Mother Hustler, Found and Flourish, Sisters in Business, Coven Girl Gang. Um, Yeah, I've got my column in Korea and it's just like, it's happening. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, it's ha- it's happening, and and you know that's how I've seen you through through Instagram, Instagram, and 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 really supporting the startups, you know. And I think that something that that I see from this is that what you've done is look at all your kind of career equity, all the things that you've learned, your kind of like bank of knowledge and experience, and you have put that into into this new career um so you haven't lost anything that you learned before and a lot of people sometimes think that when they are starting out on a new path we're kind of like letting go of everything else but I'd say you know it's all coming with you and it fuels it fuels your next move and you you're channeling that into into new places can I I would say my tips there as well are that sometimes because what we've been doing becomes so normal for us we forget how to, pe- for, for people who don't know how to do it, it's hard. So I've, starting a business for me is just like falling off a log because I've done it so many times. But if you've never done it, it's really hard. So that information that I have in my brain is worth money. It's valuable to other people. And that applies to any, any kind of person. If you know how to dismantle a computer, I don't. So that's a really valuable thing to know. So I would encourage people to think about what it is they know that other people don't know. And my second tip would be, don't be shy to just give information away. Freedom of information and a, a culture of sharing, for me, is the best way to drive actual sales. If you show up for things and give freely of yourself and you speak on, you know, you share expertise and tips on Instagram or at events or on Facebook pages, that's how you get hired, in my view. 
And so what if somebody's sitting here listening, thinking they've got a food startup idea, you know, they've got a product idea and they're like, OK, I've, I, it's a dream, but I haven't started doing anything with it. What would your tips be to them um, with their black sheet, blank sheet of paper, their ideas in their head and it's a blank sheet of paper? What would you advise them to do? Um, you need to look at what your concept is. Then you need to look at if there's a market opportunity. So if look at um, what the chances are of it being a success, what success looks like, and then how much money and effort that it's need, you will need to deliver that project. There's a fu- they're the fundamental questions you need to answer before you go ahead. And then you need to look at your life, how many mouths to feed, that you know are you responsible for how much money you need to make and when and see if it all hangs together yeah so it's about understanding the business idea but then also your kind of life idea as well yeah (laughs) yeah the two things marry together I'll give you an example so if you want to start a um an organic baked bean company right now you're going to need a couple of hundred grand in the front end that you'll need to take in from somewhere but you'll have to find 50 grand of it yourself um It'll be really hard work, really fun. It will most likely fail. But if it succeeds, you could potentially make a few million quid in five years' time. That's that's the reality of it. If you buy a um, a burger van um, that has a license to sell burgers outside the football stadium in Portsmouth, where I live at the end of my road, and it's been there for eight years and every week it makes 1400 quid, you know, that, and, it, and it's going to cost you 11 grand to, to buy the burger van. Mm. That's a good business. Yeah. Because you know that you're going to show up on day one and make that money. Buying a ready-made business can get you to money in your bank account quicker sometimes than starting from scratch. Yeah. There's no shame in buying a going concern. There's no, you know, there's no shame in that. It's to, t- to de-risk something by buying something that someone else has made and is already working. You know, whether it's a tanning shop or a cleaning company, you know, there isn't as much glamour in that. People want to create a brand and put their own stamp on it. But you can put your own stamp on those businesses in a smaller way without having to risk your whole life like I did yeah and and that's very true so often there is a shortcut if you know if you want to run your own business yes um and you and buy you want one to earn money, money yeah you can you can shortcut it we don't have to try and do everything ourselves and um, hopefully my dad's all the not linear listening steps. hopefully my dad's not listening he's like why didn't you do that <laughs> Um, but it's a really it's a really lovely insight you know I think as humans we all kind of want to have our own idea and it's a bit of a unique idea and yeah. um, and sometimes um, there's a faster way to actually get what we really really want in order to live our lives in a way that kind of fits with our work and um, so what would you say in the last four months have been your biggest challenges in this pivot? Mm, lack of time because of my parenting obligations because of the way I parent and how my little family is. I don't live in London. When I got pregnant, I moved out of London. I was living in Soho. And so I had everything on my doorstep and was kind of just in, could show up at places. And someone was, you know, had a book launch or a gallery, like Lucy's book launches tomorrow night. And I've done everything in my power to get there. And I just can't, I just, you know, it's just not possible. So those things are hard. I'd really, I really want to be there for her. 
and I just can't. I can't make that work. So there's a, a sort of that's been hard because before Cordelia came along, I would just work all the time I was awake and it really suited me. I really enjoyed it. So I would say, yeah. And I time. think that is, I mean, I'm a mum as well. And I mm. think that is, that is uh, the reality of yeah. being running yeah. your own business and being a mum and knowing you want to be there for your children. And there, there are. Yeah, I miss her when she's not with me. Yeah. I miss her now, you know. And the working woman that you were before versus the working woman you are now um, is different. I've lost my bite, honestly. And that's, you know, when you said, when I had that email and I had that sleepless night, finishing Whetstone, deciding to switch it off, that part of it was that realisation that with my other businesses, if they said, yes, you know, we want you to come and do a, um, a demonstration to a load of buyers from the rail industry and it's in Glasgow and it's tomorrow morning at five, I'd just be all over it. And now it's just like, even if I had the time, I just think, oh my God, I'm not going that far. <laughs> I just don't have enough gas in the tank. Mm. Yeah. So you're, you're building your business in a way that kind of fits. Yeah. That, that new way. Of and you know, what's really interesting about this. And I, I think this is relevant to, to pivots is, one of the things that was hard was to accept that it wasn't going to be my story to have a big exit. You know, Pippa, one of my um, mentees, is you know absolutely blazing a trail. Her career she, has far exceeded my yeah, yeah yeah, and and she's far exceeded my career. And a couple of other of my mentees are doing that now. Blackbee Honey's doing really well. And um, Miso Tasty's doing really well. So Rosa Bloom's doing really well. So I really wanted to have that big financial win at the end of it, not really for the money but for the kind of glory and the prestige, I'm a, you know, I'm quite vain in that way. And I was always working towards that. And I expected that to happen and letting go of this and choosing my kid and my smaller life was having to accept that that just wasn't, maybe that's not going to be my story that that's, and, and that's, and that's a growing up thing. You know, I didn't, when 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 I was younger, I just thought that everything's possible. And now, you know, I'm 46 and I think, well, there's a lot of things that aren't really possible now. And that's okay. That's okay. Because it's a choice, isn't it? It's about yeah, that I, yeah, that I'm making a choice. I'm making choice. a choice to be, you know, I just spent 16 days um, with my kid not working, which if you're a sole, sole parent, responsible financially, not working for 16 days that's quite scary and um, just spent 16 days literally just lying around looking into my kids eyes and you know making chimpanzee noises or you know just doing stupid like licking the back of each other's hand and running off you know just all that stupid stuff that a four-year-old just thinks is the best time ever yeah just like walking to the end of the road to go to the bakery and will you have a gingerbread man or will you have an ice barn and spending 15 minutes comparing them. I just spent 16 days doing that. It's my choice to do that. And it's, and the thing that goes over the side is, you know, the, the prestige of me getting, being on stage, having an award and people thinking that I'm hot shit. 
Yeah. And she thinks I'm hot shit. She thinks you're hot <laughs> shit. And, that, and you know what? That's that it sounds like that's what's more important to you right now. Um, yeah, it is more important to me, yeah. Um, but coming to terms with that transition of kind of like what does good look like can sometimes feel strange for us. I know same And way. I think kids do help us to understand that though, because one of the big things about shutting whetstone was that I just didn't want to eat meat and I didn't want I, I didn't want to to contribute towards the things that are happening in the world and going plant-based and cutting down on plastic massively these products would have been produced in plastic trays there's no other way to package hot food like that so we would have if we'd hit our targets in three years we would have produced six million pieces of plastic and my kid runs down the beach if someone lets go of a plastic bag to make sure it doesn't go in the sea yeah so and it's amazing yeah and that's and that's real and I you know yeah so what I'm hearing is that um you know from your your you know your wonderful stories that what you're really tuning into at each of these points in time are like what your values are and what really is yes. important to you yes and who you are kind of deep down and like when you're about to embark on a business that uses plastic and meat and actually you're not into those things um that there's a conflict there between a project and what's interesting about that is that the conflict wasn't there three years prior when I started setting it up because we have and that was we have and there's been a sort of a seismic um shift in consciousness and you know you have a choice to either acknowledge that and see that the whole idea of the business is becoming obsolete or Mm. to just crack on and I didn't and I just didn't want to crack on I just wanted to sort of notice that and just think okay that's not right for me again with the safety net of knowing that if I hadn't um you know taken Lucy's advice and got the wins that she helped me get career-wise if everything had really gone flat for a few months you know I had some savings to support myself and I you know I could we can go and live at my mum and dad's if we had to Mm -hmm which gave you the space to be able to yes yes definitely where you are now and one of the things- I would say that's that's a that's a if you're if you're thinking of pivoting if there's any way you can buy yourself that space mm-hmm. like save up a bit of padding you know and so that you have that thinking time so that you're not in such a rush that really helps Absolutely. And and to build on your point about values, when I when I left my corporate job, I was working for a spirits company. Mm-hmm. And when I first started the role, it, that didn't seem to bother me. But having worked there for two years, working on selling more premium vodka to people just didn't fit with me. Yeah, interesting. And yeah, yeah. I yeah. really found that that had a real tension every single day in, in my yeah. motivation. You didn't feel good about what you were doing. Yeah. And when you've got that... Um, tension going on inside it it, you know it can really it can really start to affect you so really tuning into what you believe in um you know whether that's your family um or the product that you're working on and and knowing that that there's a right fit for you I think is is really sounds like that's been right key theme for you as throughout your career yeah so what would the old you you know before you started the porridge company say to the new you well that's the funny thing people people ask me why I enjoy sort of coaching and Instagramming so much and it's you know you know those really annoying mottos that people put on Instagram which I actually can't bear 
one of them, which is brilliant, is, you know, be the person that your younger self needed. Ah. And I feel like that. It is like being a time traveler. Sometimes when I'm speaking to these kids who are starting businesses, I just feel like I'm telling myself what I needed to hear, but didn't get to. Yeah, wonderful. And so I'm gonna I'm asking every guest this. What would you say your formula for pivoting is? I would say um, you should make a an assessment of what your assets are. When we talked earlier about information or experience that you have which is you know other people don't have um, then I would look at what you have enjoyed or not enjoyed about the work you've done so you can get an idea of what you want to do more of and what you want to do less of look at your situation in terms of your responsibilities like your family who am I responsible for have a really good understanding of how much money you need to earn and cut that very fine so I have no financial leaks if someone takes if a credit card company takes five quid out of my account I notice because I check my account every day and I'll get the five pounds back (laughs) and um, then take some time to feel what's right for you and I do that by you know walking um, or you know whatever people do to relax you know yoga meditation you know having quiet time you know reading just spend having some time to just feel where you are and what feels right for you lovely so taking that space to really yeah kind of allow those feelings and intuition to come in and and, and feel all of the elements um to, to be able to work that through and um, thank you so much Fleur that's been really really interesting and My pleasure full of tips and so what is next for you um, and where can we find you? Um, definitely on Instagram. I give away loads of you know free support and tips and stuff on there because I'm actively growing my Instagram following so that I can. Um, I'm going to get a number one podcast. That's what I want to do, and then I want to have a radio show. So we'll see what happens. Well, we can't wait to listen. <laughs> That's very sweet. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you so much for coming on. Um, my pleasure. Thanks for having fabulous. me. You've been listening to the Slick Pivot Sessions with me, Liz Ward, the podcast for life's achievers and believers. I hope you've enjoyed listening as much as I've enjoyed making this. Please take a moment to rate and review us on Apple or Google or wherever you get your podcasts. This helps us grow and continue to bring you amazing guests. The show notes have all the links and references from today's session. For weekly pivot inspiration straight to your inbox, sign up for Slick Pivot Sunday, my weekly newsletter go to slickpivot.com. Until our next session together, stay nimble and remember, no pivot is ever slick.